You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. I kid you not, okay? You're gonna laugh as we start this message. We did not plan anything. And talk about God having a word for us today. Like this is a special service. I really believe this. God has put this message in my heart and I am more confident and more passionate about this message than I have been about any other message in a very long time. And our founding pastor just came up here and affirmed and confirmed every bit of this message. Talk about a God thing. And so as you see and hear what he confirmed, it's okay to chuckle. It's okay to say, ah, there it is. Because that's God. That is God speaking to us. So we're in the middle of this vision series, and we did just this mini series within this large series uh, about the story of Nehemiah. And so if you have your Bibles with you, please just turn to Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Nehemiah in the Old Testament, we have Bibles all over the place, or you can go, you can take out your phone in church and go to our uh, Elevation Community Church app and look at that Bible app there. But we're going to be in Nehemiah the whole time. We're going to start with chapter two, so go ahead and start there. But last week, I just want to, I want to just recap the lessons that we learned last week. If you weren't with us last week, please download the message and listen to it because it is so important to where God is taking us as a church and individual followers of Christ. So I'm gonna blitz today. I'm gonna blitz today. So follow with me, take notes, make this yours because only you can make a difference by yourself. I can't do it for you. And so we learned in the story of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was just an ordinary man. He literally was just living day to day, and he was doing his job. He had a good job. It wasn't a great job, but it was a good job. He worked for the king of Persia. Anyone working for the king has benefits and perks and more than anyone else outside uh, the king's palace. And so he was a cupbearer. He served drinks to the king and his entourage. And he was just doing his job, and he was just being faithful until he heard from a messenger that his hometown, Jerusalem, and the people, his family, his people, his clans, were in danger and utter ruin. And so the first thing that we understand in the story of Nehemiah is we have to name what is broken. Nothing would have happened any further in the book of Nehemiah if Nehemiah didn't stop and name what is broken. And when he named what is broken, he did three things, actually four, but we'll focus on three, and then the fourth will come in a minute. He wept. It moved him so much that he wept over what was broken. Number two, he fasted. He went without food. He sacrificed. And then three, he prayed. He did all three of those things for several days. He just literally sat and soaked in the brokenness of what was going on. And then he did a fourth thing. He sat on his hands and did nothing and settled and just said, well, it is what it is. No. He got off his carcass and he did something about it. And lesson number two flows right from there is he leveraged what he had because he named what was broken and he was moved enough and he prayed about it He then did something about it. He leveraged what he had. What what did he have? He had position. 
He was under the king who had power and authority, right? He was just a cupbearer. Now, this king of Persia had no love, no interest, no care at all for the Jews. He was the king of Persia, not the king of Israel. And so what we see here is we see Nehemiah leveraging what he had, but in order to leverage what he had, don't miss this, he had to risk everything. He risked his position, he risked his job with the king, and he risked his life. So he named what was broken, he leveraged what he had because the stakes were high, and thirdly we see he got out of his comfort zone and did something about it. Well, what did he do before he built the walls? which we're gonna talk about today. He went, he literally went to Jerusalem. He said, come with me, come and see the brokenness. Do you know that proximity is everything? The closer you get to something, the better you can see, right? Just nod your heads if you agree with me. The closer you get to the problem, the better you can address the issue. And the closer you get to the people and the brokenness around you, the more impact you're going to have. So we have to name what is broken. We have to leverage what you have. And we have to get close enough to the problem, the brokenness, that we can actually be effective and make impact. So let me ask you this, all of you. I've been talking to the teens the last two weeks and I've asked them this question. Where do you see the brokenness in your community? Where do you see the brokenness in your workplace? Where do you see the brokenness in your family? Where do you see the brokenness in this church? Where do you see the brokenness in your schools? And you know what I'm finding? The brokenness in the student's life is no different than the brokenness that you guys are facing. It just looks different for them than it does for you. And once you've named that brokenness, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's abortion that we've talked about, maybe it's politics, everything around you is just broken and everyone's stabbing each other in the back and it's just chaos. Maybe it's broken relationships, maybe, maybe it's neighbors around you that lo are losing everything. Let me ask you this, once you named it, are you weeping about it? Does it move you enough? Does it move you enough to do something about it? Are you praying about it? Are you even fasting? I know there's several people here that immediately, when there's a broken need around them, they go immediately without food to seek the Lord. Are we moved that deeply to do something about it? And here, here, here comes. Here at Elevation Community Church, our mission has just been tweaked just a bit. Just one word Two words, actually, added, is we want to create experience. We want to create missional experiences. How many of you know that you can know about God, but not experience God? You can talk about God, but not experience his spirit inside of you. You can sing songs and dance and talk about God and read every scripture in the book, but not experience God in your life. So we want to create experiences for people to fully connect to Christ. His hope, we say it this way, we want them to be genuinely captured by Christ. Genuinely captured, that means you're changed, you're new, the old has passed away, something happened. 
And then we want to fully connect you to his community. That's personal relationships. You cannot grow in your walk with Christ without personal relationships with other followers of Christ. You cannot grow to that capacity without others with us. And lastly, we want to connect you to his cause. What is his cause? What did Pastor Craig say? Go and make, say it again, go and make, thank you, yeah. So we're gonna grow together in looking more like Jesus and the cause is helping others to do the same. And we've added a focal point moving forward and that focal point is all around us and over here to your right. It's the next generation and over across the bathrooms to the other side is our babies, our toddlers, our preschoolers, our kids. And we said this quote last week. There's a generation, I hope this, this is like Nehemiah hearing the news about Jerusalem. There's a generation sitting in the wings, wondering how close we adults are willing to get to the problem. They're watching to see how far the generation before them is willing to go. They are waiting to make a decision about the God that we say we serve and that we love. And if we're not willing to get close to them, we will lose them. Does that do anything for you? And so today... We're going to look at the second half of Nehemiah and see what this really looks like practically and realistically for us to be the church and to rebuild and to restore that which is broken. If you don't know what's broken around you, just step outside. Just look on Facebook. You don't have to go far. And so today, we're going to look how God's people worked together. Say, work together to rebuild what is broken. Would you just for a minute close your eyes and pray with me? Father, capture our hearts this morning. King Jesus, Messiah, Savior, we fix our eyes on you. And Holy Spirit, we are listening and we want to stay in step with what you're doing. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look briefly at three points to see how working together changes people outside in the community, people inside the church, and the generation waiting in the wings watching. And so let's look at Nehemiah 2. He is gathering everybody. He's in Jerusalem. He's on ground zero. Everything is Broken and conquered stone. I mean, everything is representing defeat and despair. He's gathering the young and the old, the grandparents, the kids, the babies, the officials, the leaders. Everyone who belongs to Jerusalem is there. And he's in the middle and he's getting ready to declare the vision of rebuilding and restoring their city. Now, many of you, like myself, I have a very difficult time stepping into the Bible sometimes and understanding what's going on in the Bible, but this is perfect. Go with me. Most of you are going to know exactly what I mean when I say this. September 11th, 2001. 
Many of you know exactly right now where you were and what was going on. Many of you remember that evening when President Bush walked on Ground Zero and gathered everybody together in the broken towers. We were attacked on American soil and the two towers, Trade Center towers, came crumbling down with everything inside of it, representing everything we are as Americans. Now, do you know what Nehemiah is facing? Those of you who did, were too young to experience, or some of you were just not even born yet, but I can guarantee you, you've heard stories. Now, look at this. Man, I go back to right that evening, watching it, tears coming on my face, weeping. Praying, fasting for God to do something. Nehemiah takes the megaphone and he says this in chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. He says, You know very well the trouble we are in. Hello. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall and end this disgrace. That was literally his vision message. And that's all he needed to say. And what do the followers, the people of Jerusalem say? Yes, let's rebuild. Go back, please. Yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began a good work. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? Number one, Nehemiah did not deliver a 30-minute message. He says, look around you. No more time thinking. No more time planning. No more time in despair. Let's do something about it. And they said, let's do it. Now here's the problem. 80% of them had no idea what they were doing. They weren't experts. They weren't construction builders. They never touched stone and concrete before. They never build walls. They weren't experts at all. A lot of the people weren't qualified or specialized. Look at the interesting mix of people that were there. They were perfume makers, jewelry makers, preachers, politicians, farmers, merchants, and of course, a silly little cupbearer for the king of Persia as the leader of the movement. But what happened? They all got at work, got to work at once. Say, at once. So our first vision takeaway, write this down, is sometimes the problem is so big that we have to just jump in and do something we don't know how to do. Here's the thing, many of you are sitting here last week just saying, you know what, I'd love to serve, I'd love to do something, but I don't know how God has wired me, I don't know how God has gifted me, I don't know. Here's the thing, Nehemiah did not hand out spiritual gift assessments in Jerusalem during this vision speech and say, okay, everyone go to their different separate place in, in the city and fill out this assessment and then come back to me and we're going to place you in a place that matches your strengths and your spiritual gift. He said, no, get to work. Get to work. They did not sit there and say, you know what, Nehemiah, this is all good, but we need to pray about where God would have us serve. We need to pray about where God would have us give. Come on. Hello. 
And they didn't wait and say, okay, we need to have some training courses. We need to be practiced. And we need to know, we need to have a manual to know what we're supposed to do. They just, someone knows what I'm talking about. So her vision takeaway is sometimes we just need to get to work. Why? The stakes are so stinking high. Have you seen what's going on? People in danger, evil is lurking all around the city of Jerusalem. Children are at risk of being raped, of being slaves, made slaves to being killed. Does that move any parents here? God's reputation with an entire generation is on the line. Get to work. Nehemiah, hear my heart, I'm not, I'm not shouting at you. I'm just passionate about this. Because God is doing something, what Pastor Craig has said and what he envisioned and dreamed about 10 plus years ago is right here. We're at the cusp of ground zero, looking at the brokenness around us. Nehemiah did not tell them anywhere in the book of Nehemiah that it would be easy. He did three things, it's not on the screen. Number one, he rallied them together to do something they didn't know how to do. Number two, he invited them to do something that seemed impossible. And number three, he challenged them to work together to accomplish something they couldn't do on their own. And that's what we're gonna do as a church. We're gonna rally you together as we have been doing, and we're gonna challenge you. We're gonna encourage you to do something that seems impossible. Do something that you don't know how to do and then do something together, not on your own. So here at ECC, get this, all around this room, everyone listening, everyone represented the 500 plus people who would call Elevation Community Church in our community and the surrounding communities their home. We have construction workers, we have carpenters, we have independent contractors, we have self-employed, we have farmers working very hard right now. Workers and leaders in the business realm, leaders, retail, uh, sales people, education, law enforcement, medical, full-time moms and dads homeschooling their kids. We have several who are retired And oh yeah, we have a professional theatrical performer and director as the leader. (laughs) What? Oh, you think that's crazy? You know the team of staff that we have? Yeah, once was an insurance salesman, now our discipleship pastor of the discipleship movement here at ECC. We have once a homeschool mom and a musical theater degree performer and teacher And oh yeah, her husband is a detective, a mason, and they're leading the youth ministry here. We have a retired chaplain's assistant to the National Guard right now pouring Jesus into the kids. And oh yeah, we had uh, Home Depot by day, Nashville artist and songwriter and American Idol and Nashville star by night leading us. 
That's a crew. We're all in it together, church. We can't do it without you. We don't know how. I don't know what I'm doing as lead pastor, y'all. But I'm going to do what I need to do, even if I don't know how to do it. Because God, who is faithful, has called me, and there are brokenness all, there is brokenness all around us. And so here's a slide. We can do so much more damage to the kingdom of darkness. We can do so much more damage to the kingdom of darkness and we can do so much more impact to this community and the people in this community if we do it together and we share and display the love and the light of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. We can do so much more damage, y'all, to the kingdom of darkness. That's our goal. The kingdom of God is to bring damage and destruction that has already been paid on the cross and the resurrected tomb. It's all been paid for, but we are gonna continue to remind the enemy of that damage through working together to bring the light and love of Jesus. That's what we have to do. And sometimes, everybody, I hope you're hearing me, sometimes that requires you to do something you don't know how to do. Think about this. This rocked me when I was reading Nehemiah's story. Everything they needed. We're talking about all the walls and gates of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was much bigger than Blanchester. Everything and everyone they needed to rebuild and restore Jerusalem were within the group of people and the city. Everything they needed to rebuild was right smack dab in front of Nehemiah. Here it comes, ready? Everything we need to fix every broken problem in our community is right here. Right here. Why? Because you're here. You're here. Pete, you're here. Tony, you're here. Judy, you're here. Adam, you're here. Jeremy, you're here. Ashley, you're here. Ronnie, you're here. Jeremy Dolby, you're here. We can't sit on the sidelines anymore. What's sad about many people here is many of you have stopped dreaming. Many of you have stopped dreaming. Many of you have stopped imagining what God can do through you. And if a church burnt you out, I am so sorry. If a Christian gave you the wrong impression of Jesus Christ, I'm so sorry. But that's the past, that's over. Some of you have stopped dreaming. Some of you have stopped imagining. And some of you, because you've stopped dreaming and imagining, some of you have stopped making an impact. That's all gonna change today. And as we move forward, Elevation Community Church, and when I say Elevation Community Church, that means Blanchester Nazarene. That means the Church of Christ, the Church of God, the Methodist Church, the Tabernacle. We're all doing this together, y'all. So what does this look like? And then we'll move on to the second point. What's this look like? Well, when we see a problem in our church, a broken 
issue in our community, what do we do? We call Pastor Phil. No, you call Pastor Daniel. No, when you see a problem, yeah, let us know because we're leading this movement and we want to be a part of it. We want to step in, not do the work for you. We want to help rally the people around you. And you're going to do three things when you see a broken problem around you. You're going to do three things. You ready? It's not on the screen. Number one, you're going to serve the need. Sometimes that means you do something you don't know how to do. Right, Tony Akers with the build ministry? Sometimes they just give people a hammer and say, start pounding. Serve a need. Second of all, love the people you're serving. Third, as you do those two things, you will display the light and love of Jesus. Serve the need. Love the people you're serving and display the only hope that their eternal souls could ever long for. What does this look like? It just looks like gathering in small groups. Yes, as a church, we probably do anywhere from two to four big outreaches. That's not enough, everybody. That's not enough. We have to have small groups and different people with a passion. They see the brokenness just like Nehemiah. Then they rally people around them and say, come help me repair. What would it look like if ECC had at one time 10 different groups of people focused on 10 different areas of brokenness, serving the need, loving those they serve, and displaying the light and love of Jesus? I promise you this community would change. This also looks like for us as giving to the ministry. Our giving stations are in the back. We don't pass the plates. And on our phone app or online, you can give online. It's very easy. We make it very difficult not to give. Why do we ask you to give? It's because there's brokenness all around us. And we are trying to rebuild and restore what is broken. This also looks like giving above and beyond what you normally give to different projects and different things that are going on in our community to help. Some of you, and honestly, most of us are in the 5%, uh, or I would even say the 1% category in our world of the richest people. Money's not an issue. What we do with it and how we spend it is the issue. This may look like opening your home with the blessing that God has given you for a small group. We want to grow in small groups because we want to connect people to relationships. This may be doing something you don't know how to do, like leading a small group. I bet you Daniel would be tickled pink if you said, I don't know what I'm doing, but I sure am called to jump in and serve. This may look like, for most of us, Sunday to Sunday, Sunday to Sunday, Sunday to Sunday, showing up to worship Christ out of the overflow of Monday through Saturday. And how do we worship Christ? By singing worship songs, no. By meeting needs and loving the body of Christ and serving the body of Christ. I speak right now, everyone listening, and if we can um, somehow stop a lot of the movement. This is just an important message. If you have to go to the bathroom, I totally understand. I don't want a wet floor. However, you're a janitor. She will help. Cleaning crew, Bob nicely will talk to you, ma'am. I say this, and I speak this by faith. I prophetically speak this over our body. 
and I mean this to the core. Never again will I stand up here and plead on my knees for people to serve the next generation. Never again. Never again. Because the next generation is the generation we are losing. It is not a babysitting service. It is not a chaperone on field trips. It is showing kids and teens Christ in you. You may be the only Christ that they ever see and experience. Guys, this is not about coming in and missing a service to serve the kids and the youth. This is about building relationships that will change the way they see God. You don't have to have a teacher's degree, education degree. You don't even have to have these crazy skills to lead kids. You do have to pass a background check. We want to reach kids in a safe environment. You have to be committed and show up when you're scheduled because the stakes are high. But all you have to do is show up. Guys, for the last five or eight years, you know, Tiffany built this ministry and she did a, a phenomenal job, but the biggest frustration for any kid's minister is we don't have people. They don't want to serve. They don't want to serve. Guys, this is the main brokenness around us. So sometimes we just have to do something we don't know how to do. The brokenness is all around us and it's not going away. The next generation is not getting any younger and we're losing time. So there's another group of people I want to address that I cannot leave out. And you would think that it's an obvious group within this story and within the church, but so often we don't leverage this group enough to understand their potential and their responsibility. Nehemiah did something so incredibly in this story. He did this just at the right time. He gathered this group of people at the turning point in the story. And it happened at the most critical stage of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Follow with me here. Halfway through, as any big project like building the walls of Jerusalem, people got tired. They were exhausted. Things began to unravel. The enemy was lurking in all directions. People who were, uh, everything was piling up. Verbal attacks, negativity, threats, skepticism, rumors, murmuring, bickering. We don't know what that it's all about. The morale started to plummet and the people began to shift their perspective into being panicked and in fear. And this is where Nehemiah did the most genius thing. What did he do? Let's look in Nehemiah 4, chapter 4, verse 13 through 14. Everyone in Jerusalem came to Nehemiah freaking out and said, the enemy is coming from all directions. We are doomed. And what does Nehemiah do? Look at this. This is so crucial. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open spaces, remember, that, remember 9-11, this all crumbled. Their protection is gone. Their security is gone. Their safety is gone. I stationed the people by their clans. What he's saying is I stationed parents with their families 
with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And in some stories in the Bible, it says, stand firm, stand still, and he will fight. But it doesn't say that here. It says, fight for your families. Fight for your brothers, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, fight for your homes. And Mel Gibson then says, freedom! Can you imagine the emotion of this moment? You see the enemy stirring and ready to pounce and intimidating you with every move. You don't see any structure coming up. You don't see anything and you feel doomed and you're desperate. And what does the leader do? He organizes them by their families and puts them in the holes of the wall and says, remember what you're fighting for. Church, vision takeaway number two is this. We need to support and rally among parents to remind them what they're fighting for because so many families in this church, in, in other churches, and in our communities have forgotten what they're fighting for. And we must disciple, we must teach, we must support, and we must challenge our parents to fight what is most important. Most important is not a successful career, is not a successful school degree, is not a successful job, nor is a successful spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend or success in sports. The most important thing is that they have a relationship with the savior of the world who paid it all for them. That's the only priority that you have for your children. And we must disciple, would you say disciple? We must teach, say teach. Go back, please. We must support, say support, and challenge, yeah, our parents to fight for their families. That's what's at stake here, guys. This, This slide, this is my heart right now, and I believe Craig would amen it. We desire to inspire every single parent to understand what's really at stake for the future of their son and their daughter. It will change the momentum of your family. It will change the momentum of this church. It will change the momentum of the community. And it will ultimately change the way the community sees God. The stakes are high. Women, moms, all over the place, just raise your hand. All moms, mothers, all over the place, mothers. Yeah. Okay, put them down. Moms, what would happen if your priority was the future and the eternal hope of your kids. I promise you, you would be on your knees every single day praying for your child. Do you know what crazy world they are living in? What would happen if mothers individually were on their knees for their kids, but then mothers in our community started gathering in the mornings and praying for our kids in our schools? I promise you, it would change the environment in our schools. Dads, Raise your hands. Fathers, all over the place. Studly men of God. What would happen if you started to become a man and led your families? Led your families 
where each and every one of them are serving the Lord in their older years. That's what's at stake. That's what's important. That's why in a couple weeks, guys, we're doing family night. We're not organizing and spending money and spending a lot of time of organizing this family night on August 8th, Thursday, at 6.30 p.m. We're not doing it just to have a fun event. We're doing it to help families win. We're doing it to help families win. That's why we do what we do. Here's the thing. We are not fighting for a generation's existence. We are not. We are fighting for a generation's concept of God. Do you realize that they are predicting that the atheist in the next generation and the, book, and the generation to come, my son's generation, is supposed to triple in our country. Atheist. We can't let that happen. It is at stakes. The stakes are high. We are not fighting for a generation's existence. We are fighting for their concept of God. That is why Nehemiah, through the entire story, always connects the condition of the city to the condition of their faith. What would happen if we connected the condition of the broken cities around us to our faith? To what we're doing. So vision takeaway number two is we are going to disciple and teach and support and challenge our parents to fight for what matters. Craig Nisley sitting right here, he always said this when we started planning Elevation Community Church. He said, we are not just a church in the community. We are a church for the community. We do something we don't know how to do. We rally around families. You see, in order to get, in order to swim, you need to get wet. In order to dig, you need to get dirty. We need to jump in, and then we need to equip parents. It's about our generation and their concept of God that really matters. And here's something really interesting. When the families began to stand in the gaps of the wall, the enemy decided not to attack. Enemies attacking you or your family? Let me ask you, are you fighting? Are you standing in the crevice of the broken down things around you and saying, you Gandalf shall not pass. We need to help families win. And we need to do something we're not necessarily required or equipped to do. And the last point is this, and then I'll wrap up. We need to expect God to move. But not in the way that we think he should move. He is God and you are not. He is God and I am not. We need to expect God to move, but not necessarily in the way that we expect. Get this, guys. This is, this is really important. So if you're kind of getting a little, um, little antsy, Sit on the edge of your seat and listen to this. This, I mean, this has changed my perspective. Look at the story of Jerusalem. 
Together, the people rebuilt the walls and the gates of that entire city in 52 days. 52 days! At the astonishment of the enemy and the skeptics, at the amazement of the leaders and the parents, but most importantly, to the wonderment of a generation sitting in the wings watching. They never experienced God. They weren't there when Moses struck the rock and water came and manna came down. They weren't there when the Red Sea split or the Jordan split. They weren't there when Elijah prayed for rain and all of a sudden no cloud in the sky. Rain came, torrential downpour. They didn't experience that. They just heard stories. How many of our next generation out there and in our church have just heard stories from us about God, but they haven't experienced God? So we need to expect God to move. And here's the point. God did not show up in the ordinary miracles that we see through the Bible. He did not show up in a windstorm. He did not show up even in a still small voice. He did not show up with thunderbolts of lightning. He showed up in the people. God showed up in the people and it changed everyone's concept of God. Are you with me? Let's look at the three categories of people that have changed. Number one, the people outside the walls, the skeptics. We have them. You have them right in your neighborhood. I have one. They don't like me. I smile and beep at them every time I pass. That's probably why they don't like me. The skeptics, here, get, look at this. It changed what they believed about God. Number two, the people inside the walls. It changed how they listened to God. They began to listen to God, listen to God, and learn and glean from God. Why? Because they experienced what God can do in and through them. And thirdly, we see this. We see a generation that has changed their view and how they see and worship God. That is so important. A generation changed how they worship God. So in closing, and I promise that means closing, how we work together from this point forward will affect the generations to come and our community in how they see God. That is what's at stake. Nothing else compares how we work together as a church is so important. And guys, I'm gonna tell you, it's not gonna be easy. Sometimes it's gonna be very messy. And we're not gonna ask you to do less, we're gonna ask you to do more. Yes, we are, because the stakes are high. And there are so many broken people who need to know the love and the light of Jesus Christ. And guys, we don't know what this looks like. I wish we had answers, but we don't. We're just gonna continue to seek the Lord for what to do. And lastly, we're not gonna ask you no longer to just come once or twice a year or once a month. Football leagues and soccer leagues ask you to do way more than that. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking down on sports. Please don't, don't misperceive me but we should expect nothing less as a kingdom of God 
rebuilding our city than what just different organizations require of people for activities and extracurricular events. I'm just speaking real. You need to be here. You know why? Because you're missing out. But most importantly, we're missing out. So as the band comes up, I want each and every one of us, young and old, to stand. Stand on up. No moving around, no going to the bathroom. I want you to hear me. This is a pivotal moment in the life of Elevation Community Church. I know I have gone long, and um, it's just one of those Sundays. Keep it going. Keep it going. I'm going to ask you three questions, and before you respond, I really want you to think of the weight and the severity of what you're committing to. And I also then want you to keep in mind of what's broken around you and what is so helpless and desperate for the love of Jesus Christ in your community and mine. The stakes are high, guys. Lives, people, people dying without the hope of Jesus. Going to hell. If that doesn't sit right with you, I would ask, have you met your Savior, Lord Jesus Christ? Because when his spirit's in us, man, his spirit longs for sons and daughters to come and be captured by Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you three specific questions. And how you respond is going to be how we move forward as a church. First question is this. Will you jump in and join us in helping a generation and a community see God and change their view of God? Think about it. Will you help? Will you join in whatever it takes, maybe even something you have no clue how to do to help our community and generation see God? We did this in the 4th of July and you guys were amazing. If you agree that you will do whatever you need to do to jump in and help change the atmosphere and how people see God, say, I will. Now remember what you're saying. And remember the broken rubble around us. Number two, will you join us in doing whatever it takes to help parents and families win? Because when families fight for the right of their kids in their faith and their future eternity, it will change this community. Are you willing to do whatever it takes? I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's not going to be messy. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to help families win? If you do, say, I will. And are you willing to join us in engaging the kids and students in our church? This means being involved with what they're involved in. This is going to change how we do church. If you're willing to just say, look, I don't even have a passion and a deep love to hang out with kids, but I know they need Jesus and they may only see Jesus through me. And I'm willing to jump in and serve. If that is you, please say, we will. We cannot do this without clinging to the Father's heart fixing our eyes on Jesus 
and staying in step with the Spirit. So now that you've committed, be seated, please. We have one more part of business to do. We are going to pass out keychains and commitment cards to every single person who said, I will, to those three things. It's a keychain that says, we can do more together. I got one. This is a reminder of what we have committed to do. And there's a commitment card. And I want you to fill it out, even if you filled out something like this before. We want to know where you are. We want to know who is willing to jump in and serve. And if we can use your, your, your talents, and if we can use your strengths, we will put you in a place. But that may mean you serving hot dogs when you've never grilled before. That may mean picking up a hammer when you've never picked up a hammer before. And it's okay to have murmuring. We want to pass these out. Start filling it out because we're gonna collect them on the ends of the aisles in two minutes. This matters, church. Our community matters. Our generation matters. Our community's concept of God matters. So take a minute, real quick. Let's focus on these cards and these keychains. And guys, if you didn't commit to these three questions, I want you to answer to yourself, why? 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 It's probably because you are not aware of the stakes that are at hand. And I would love to sit down with some coffee or a drink of your choice and sit down with you and talk about that. So go ahead and fill that out, and I'm just going to ask the band to just sing that worship song, Spirit Move. Can we just be attentive to what the Spirit of God's doing? I know it's late. I know you want to go get your kids. Maybe you don't. It's okay. But let's take a minute and ask the Spirit to move. Do it. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our weekly podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. 